Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Kunkasis for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast and No Boxing, No Life Tequila by Eddie Reynoso. Do you know what? Just for that plug, you should send me a bottle, really. Get on the phone to him. What we're going to do is, um, this is actually a very special bottle of No Boxing, No Life Tequila, which Eddie gave to me personally during our co-promotion in Guadalajara. You see my drinks cabinet over there, which you know I'm not really a boozer, but I have got some outstanding bottles of alcohol over there. But I'm going to give this away. Okay? I'm going to give away this bottle of No Boxing, No Life tequila. And the way that I'm going to give it away is I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to tweet Coogan Cassius. And the question is this. Daniel Jacobs will be fighting John Ryder at the Alexandra Palace on February the 12th. Alexandra Palace is also the home of the World Darts Championships, which moved from Circus Tavern many years ago. We just saw one of the biggest PDC World Darts Championship with record ratings on Sky. But how many years now? It's a, double, it's a double-sided question. How many years has the World Darts Championship been held at Ali Pali? And nine years ago, matchroom boxing were last at Ali Pali. Who was the main event on that card? So it's an A and a B. Okay? How many World Darts Championships have been at Ali Pali? And the last time that matchroom boxing were at Ali Pali, who was the main event? And you... Okay. A bottle of no boxing, no life tequila. So, the first person to answer this has got to do this, yeah? So, they've got to tag you. I might be difficult. No, tag you, tag me, hashtag no boxing, no tag life. Tag you, tag me, tag us together, no boxing, no life tequila. With both answers, the first one on the timeline tags you and me, yeah. hashtag no boxing, no life. Yeah. The two answers wins that, yeah. straightforward. Well, you have to tag Eddie Reynoso as well, Canelo team. Okay, so you've got three different tags, yeah. Okay. Um, I know the answer to one of those. You should know both of them, but you, you know the answer. Because I was that one. Yes. Yeah. Was that that one? Yes. I've never, ever seen you in Stone Island, ever. 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 <laughs> I'll be honest, this is the first Stone Island piece I've ever bought. I like it. Shout out Affluent Attire. No freebies here. Just a great service. Saw it on the old gram, and I was like, yeah, I'll be honest, you've had a week or so away. You look a million dollars, ripped to shreds. It's time for a bit of Stone Island. Wonderful. What do you think? And I've never seen you out at Palm Angels. That's a lie. I just wear a lot of it. I do wear a lot. A lot of it. Sure about those tracksuit bottoms? They're not... They don't really go with the top. You know the... Thing at the bottom, like to make them tapered, like these, they're just straight bottoms. Couldn't go already feeling it. Boots with the yeah, right? Okay, so let's jump straight into the schedule that was announced over the next two months. Well, we actually did it in our interview about just before Christmas, didn't we? Because we were going to release it the day before Christmas, got delayed. And obviously now we're having to redo it again. Yeah, yeah, we had to uh, skip that part out, obviously, because the zone weren't ready to announce the schedule. So 
Uh, first of all, feedback from your loyal consumers and the public. Really good. Um, was it seven shows in eight weeks? Both sides of the Atlantic, some really good cards there. Um, I've got to say, the feedback for Jacobs against Ryder has been unbelievable. We are nearly at 5,000 tickets already, and we've had to increase the capacity Ali Pally. Granted, Johnny Fisher did 1,500 tickets in 48 hours, which is just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Um, that show's gone down really well. Of course, Liam Smith against Jesse Vargas, great fight with Quadras against Rungvisai as well, doubleheader. Um, Akoli against Sislak, really good fight. We've got undercard actually dropping hopefully tomorrow for that fight. March 5th, Estrada Chocolatito. Who can say a bad word about that fight? Two fight of the year contenders. And obviously the trilogy for that fight. Got to say, another one that's gone down really well is Lee Wood against Michael Conlon. Great fight. Um, pleased for Lee that he's going to Nottingham Arena. And also, shout out to Michael Conlon because although we won the purse bid, I wanted to make sure everyone was happy with that fight. Lee Wood is the champion and we're going to make sure that we can hopefully section that up half Irish, half uh, Nottingham and, and English fans for Lee Wood. Um, and hoping that with Leo Santa Cruz moving up as, as well, I think it's only a matter of time now before the WBA make that for the Super Championship, which lends itself nicely into the big fight at the end of March, which is Josh Warrington against Kiko Martinez. Um, kind of like a, a fight out the blue, really. But I expect the winner of that fight to face the winner of Conlon Wood in a big unification. And then going into April, which is what we're working on at the moment, you've got Conor Ben, you've got Callum Smith, possibly Derek Chisora, you've got Taylor Serrano, and we expect to nail all of those as well. So big, big April and May coming up as well. And I think a really good start to the year. The feedback I saw, are you interested or not? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I see it because yeah. obviously we... Well, sometimes you're a little bit rose-tinted, you know? Not really. No, not really. Because like, you think everything you do is the bollocks and like nothing can be compared to it and you really are a helmet go on what was the feedback you've done? no but you've got some great fights on there no doubt yeah there's some really hard fights for some of your fighters as well really difficult fights it just seemed to me that that kind of pay-per-view-esque marquee fight that you're but you're saying that that's going to come in april, april. Yeah, yeah we 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 run them quarterly across the year april you'll see a number of big fights um one particularly probably two actually which would be considered a pay-per-view level um and yeah i think it's a really good schedule i mean I, I agree with what you said what you're saying and like i said april is the first of those that comes in um another one for the summer as well and then september and december um and i think it's it's complemented and supplemented by a brilliant brilliant schedule of boxing like you say every fight competitive I mean, when you look at the main events, Vargas against Liam Smith, total 50-50 fight. Um, John Ryder against Danny Jacobs. I'm, I'm, I guess people make Jacobs the favourite in that fight, but 50-50 fight. Akoli is a favourite against Sislak, but it's a really good fight. Estrada against Chocolatito, complete 50-50 fight. Lee Wood against Michael Conlon, complete 50-50 fight. Uh, Kiko Martinez against Josh Warrington, 50-50 fight. So this is what you guys wanted and we're delivering it, and you're going to see a big April as well. Couple off that schedule, I don't think you mentioned that. Obviously, McKinson and Virgil yeah, Ortiz, Golden Boy show that we're co-promoting with them. I mean, the Michael McKinson fight is probably one of the, the pleasing fights of the schedule because um, it's a great story. I mean, and you've known him much longer than I've known him. I mean, you knew him before I even heard his name, which was a kid that never really got gifted anything as an amateur or even in the pro ranks, went to MTK, they gave him opportunities. Um, he fought in the away corner a lot. You know, uh, he then stepped up against Chris Congo at a time where no one really wanted to fight Chris Congo because there wasn't a lot to gain from it. Beat him and then we signed him, boxed here and now he's making an absolute fortune to fight Virgil Ortiz. And the money's always important and sweet because it's a tough sport and you've got you to make it while you can. But if he beats Virgil Ortiz, and he's an underdog in that fight, he just, I mean, you know, he, he goes on to make multi-million dollar purses. And uh, he's got the style to do it. You know, Virgil Ortiz, for me, already top five welterweight in the world. Brilliant fighter, so powerful. But there's only certain styles that can beat him. And Michael Mickinson has got a style that will do well against Virgil Ortiz. 
He's very dangerous, though. But Mickinson has just walked, say, walked himself into. It's been a big team effort from everybody, but he's been given an unbelievable opportunity, life-changing opportunity in so many ways, and I'm chuffed for him. Is it fair to say there's, obviously, uh, with Virgil Ortiz, slightly untested to a certain degree, Virgil Ortiz? I mean, look, he beat Kavalowskis in his last fight, beat Maurice Hooker. Sorry, Maurice Hooker in his last fight, Kavalowskis before that, wasn't it? Or the other way around? I mean, they're very good fighters. Mo Hooker is a former world champion. Like, he, he's a world-class fighter. And he beat him. I know Mo had a bad hand, but still. Kavalowski is tough. I, I just rate Virgil Ortiz very highly. I rate him and I rate Boots Ennis. You know, and we talk about McKinson. We talk about Conor Ben. You know, I always said that Conor Ben is one or two fights behind Ortiz and, and Ennis in terms of his development. I think those guys are ready to fight for a world title now. Or, Ortiz and, and Ennis. And, um, you know, Michael's got it all to do, but he's also got the opportunity of a lifetime. Let's talk about Liam Smith and, and Vargas. Obviously, this is a fight that's been talked about for quite quite some time. It's a fight that Liam Smith has obviously, he's wanted that fight for the last yeah. year. Was Liam's in a kind of, not strange position in his, his career, but he's at kind of at the back of an end of his career, coming off that the Kerbinov fight, which a lot of people believe he mm. he won that, and then obviously the Anthony Fowler. So he's kind of reignited his career off the back of the Fowler win again. I think Liam's in a great position. I think, to be honest, um, he's one of my favourite fighters at the moment because he's a throwback fighter. He's really good. He's a world class fighter, unquestionable. And I think he's really well placed. I mean, look, the Vargas Smith fight is a fifty fifty fight. But if Liam Smith comes through that fight, he's in a brilliant position to get a, a big, big fight. And he deserves it. You know, the, the, the Fowler thing was really interesting where I know you joke about me saying everything I do is, you know, right and blah, blah. But that was an example where that was the right fight for both. Right? Liam Smith kind of felt a little bit, um, you know, hard done by, I think, when I started talking about fighting Anthony Fowler. And I said to him, look, mate, you're coming off a loss. No one thought you lost against Kerbinov, but you're coming off a loss. So you need a high-profile fight to get yourself a big fight like Jesse Vargas. He went through that. The rest is history. Both guys done well in that fight. Both guys made a lot of money. Both guys sold out the Echo Arena. And now, Je and now Liam gets his fight. So it's a big fight for him. And I think it's going to be a war. I really do. I mean, all Liam Smith fights are entertaining. But when you look at his defeats, forget Kerbinov. But, you know, one to Mungir in a great fight. And, and the other one's Canelo Alvarez. So Liam's a brilliant fighter. And, and I just feel that he's still fresh. He's not, you know, Canelo fight, Munguia fight. They, they were, but he's, he's clean liver. And, you know, I think, I think he's going to be in some really good fights. Yeah, it would be good to see, see the, the feats he's had in his career have only been to, to class opponents like that. But it would be good to see Liam Smith kind of, if he beats Vargas, then get that kind of fight that he probably craves before he, he finishes his career. Who is that fight? I mean, when you look at the division, it's difficult. You know, you've got Charlo, um, you've got Castano, great fighters as well. Um, I think with Liam, he's been a world champion. I don't know whether the desire is... I mean, of course, I'm sure he'd like to become world champion again. But I don't think it's giving him sleepless nights. I just think he wants to be in big fights and big occasions. And he loved, he loved the Fowler fight because it was, he's never boxed at the Echo before like that in a sold out arena, great ring war. MNS Bank. MNS Bank. Yeah, MNS Bank. Your bank. Um, and yeah, so I, think, I just think Liam is a really good fighter and I think he's an underrated. I feel like he's never really had the exposure that he deserves, especially as a world champion. And, and now I think he's getting that. You know, he had that through the Fowler fight. And if he beats Jesse Vargas, he's going to be right up there as a big name. Um, Lawrence O'Coley yeah. puts a tweet out saying his next fight might be at heavyweight. Yeah. So do you know anything about why he tweeted that, first of all? Well, I think he... Sislak was a guy that we wanted for a long time. And we were really running out of high-quality opponents, choices. We didn't think we could get Sislak. Um, he's got one defeat to Makabu. He's an elite cruiserweight. It's by far the toughest fight of Lawrence's career so far. And I'm really happy with the fight. But we want a unification. There's no point dressing it up. And we had Gulamarin against Igorov due to fight in December. 
Lawrence was supposed to fight the winner. Gulamari got COVID. That fight might land on the undercard, actually, of Akoli. Um, Kabu is kind of fighting, uh, I forget his name now, he's mandatory challenger. And then, obviously, waiting around for Canelo. And Bradis is walking around like an... I mean, what, what is Bradis doing? Bradis is embarrassing. Like, Bradis is getting tattoos of Jake Paul on his leg and calling him out to fight. What is he doing? He's got a unification there against Lawrence Okoli. I know he's got a mandatory. I think he's fighting over, up a tire, is it, or something? You know, and he's, he's getting... I mean, the guy is embarrassing. Great fighter, by the way. Brilliant fighter. And he, it's a bit of publicity gone too far, maybe? What? A world champion cruiserweight calling out Jake Paul and getting a tattoo on his leg saying something like, karma, Jake Paul. I mean, whether, it's, whether the tattoo's real or not. What? Like, and I like Maris Bradis. He's a brilliant fighter. But, mate, come on. Get real. Got fight Lawrence Ecoli. So, fingers crossed, Lawrence gets through that in February, straight away in the summer. Let's get that made because... Lawrence will go to heavyweight and he'll do really well at heavyweight, but he needs to unify at cruiserweight. So we're targeting the Gulamar and Igorov winner. We'd love the Bradis fight, but I just don't, he don't seem serious. You know, and they said they were going to make Lawrence off, Lawrence a huge offer. They've never made an offer. And we're happy to sit down with him and try and find a way. But I just, what, I follow him on Instagram and I just don't know what he's doing. Come on. It was a really bizarre thing. I was questioning whether it was some sort of theatrical thing like in it with the tattoo it's, it's not real I don't know he's been doing it for months calling out Jake yeah, Paul but the tattoo was like very bizarre yeah. but it's the kind of thing you'd do if you absolutely had no prospect like no future but he's in a great position he's a brilliant fighter he's world cruiserweight champion so yeah. any man he fought on like a four rounder at the Echo he fought Simon Vanilli Vanilli was it no one four rounder was it an eight rounder fucking great fighter yeah. Yeah, just want to chuck that in. Um, interestingly, you're going on a Sunday, mm. which is a good decision. I've always, do you know what? I've always rated Sunday boxing. I've always felt, I mean, look, correct me if I'm wrong. And I like to think that I'm the audience, right? But what do you do on a Sunday? You have a bit of roast dinner, don't you? A bit of family lunch, whatever. Yeah, football's usually on. Okay, what about after football? Well, I think Sunday boxing can really work and we're going to try it. We're trying it for a few reasons. One, we didn't want to clash with Josh Taylor. Two, I think Sunday boxing works. Um, and, and three, the venue was available on Sunday, which will be the O2. We'll be in there. And um, we've got a big card plan for the 27th. And I'm excited to see if it works. Will you look to have um, your main event at a slightly earlier time because people obviously got work the next day? Yeah, I would say 9pm, something like that. But it'd be nice to get a little bit of a family vibe there, you know? I think we should maybe do something with local amateur boxing clubs as well. Maybe there's some kind of, it's like an expo idea, you know, where we can sort of get people to interact with fighters and just a different kind of day. Because I think that Everyone likes to have a beer on a Sunday, but you don't go in with the same kind of mentality as a Saturday night, do you? I think. So therefore, let's make it a real sporting event and an occasion and a, a day out for people. Yeah, I definitely won't be drinking on that Sunday. No, you don't drink at all, do you? When I met you, you didn't used to be drink at all. Who's that? It's actually a number I don't know. But I have got a a meeting at three o'clock which is in 18 minutes so I'm just going to message that person and say I'm going to be 10 minutes late for that meeting great idea I'm a bit surprised you're actually giving that bottle away mate to be honest <clears throat> who else could feature on that O2 card on the 27th? Um, quite a few people. It's going to be a big card. And it'll, chuck some names who no, could be on it? I want to announce it in full. Okay. And I keep doing this. Just finish. Just, I've just got Coogan here. Just he is 
thirsty for content. So might be 10 minutes late. Whatever that is, I hope you're actually not right. That. Um, Edward, the, the most surprising one on the card, or on the schedule rather, was Josh Warrington yeah. against Kiko Martinez. I guess surprising, but not surprising, yeah. if you think about yes. it. Like, and, you know, um, so we had promotional options on Kiko Martinez. We looked into the kid Galahad rematch, him thinking about moving to 130, which I think is the move, by the way. I don't think he should box at 126 anymore. Kiko didn't really want the kid Galahad rematch because he said, look, I've just knocked him out. I'd like to take another fight. He said he'd do it in Spain and the money just didn't work out for Kid Galahad. It wouldn't have been the right option for him. But the one thing he wanted, Kiko, from the start was to rematch Josh Warrington. He said, I beat him last time. I know 100% I'll knock him out and I want to fight Josh Warrington. And I, honestly, when Kiko won that fight, I never even thought about the Warrington fight. I don't know why. But anyway, went to Josh and Josh... The plan for Josh was to go and have a fight in America. That's really what he wants to do. You know, wanted to have an away trip with the fans. And this opportunity came up for him to become a two-time world champion. And it, it, he just, he grabbed it with both hands. Opportunity knocks. And it's a funny old game. It's worked out. Um, and it's a really good fight. Kiko comes, you know, full of confidence, obviously. And Josh comes with a question marks. Is he the same fighter that he was when he beat him Four years ago, whatever it was. Um, I see it as a 50-50 fight, I really do. I think it'll be a cracker. So, in regards to Kid Galahad, um, there, were there talks about that rematch? Yeah. Were they that taking place? And, yeah. Yeah. At first, the first sort of... It's difficult for the fighter because I think the team around him felt that, obviously, financially it's got to be right. And two... I feel, and a lot of people feel, he should move up to 130. So spoke to his lawyer and his team. We mapped out a plan for him at 130. It looks like he's going to fight on the Wood Conlon card in his debut at Super Feather. And it was a mixture of, one, Kiko was being difficult about that fight, didn't really want to do that fight again if he did in Spain, and he wanted a load of money to, for that particular fight. So all things considered... Um, we move forward with a Warrington fight and, and there'll be a plan for Barry in place at 130. Obviously, we've got a great mix there with a Gower, the world champion and Cordina and Barrett, etc. So looking for him to have a, a decent fight on that uh, Wood Conlon card and then come back and fight for a world title at Super Featherweight. Okay. On that Leeds card, who else could feature? Can you chuck any names? Uh, Is Ebony Bridges going to be on that card? Yes. So Maxi Hughes will defend his world IBO world title on that card. Um, we're hoping Ebony Bridges fights for a world title on that card as well. Um, and again, we'll, we'll announce all those. Really good card in um, Nottingham as well. So we're just finalising all that. You'll get announcements. Well, you'll get the Nottingham announcement at press conference next week, by the way. Yes. Wednesday of next week, just finalising, been with the boys and girls. Wood against Conlon, uh, press conference Wednesday in Nottingham, Thursday in Belfast Ooh. next week. So we're going old school, really, because we don't, you know, no. really been a while since we've done something like that. But um, And we'll announce the undercard as well at that press conference. Tickets will go on sale next week. Well, I'm glad you've announced the press conference because it's like the 12th today and it's done nothing. Yeah, it is. No, I'm just saying there's well, been nothing. No, there's been no like, you know. Do you know what? One thing I've noticed about you, a lot of people start going, do you want to know what the general consensus is? Do you know what people have been saying online? What they say is, you treat me very differently to other promoters. You ask me questions and have digs at me that you never had digs at or ask questions of other promoters. Sorry, that's the truth. Okay. Just saying. It's fine. Just saying. A lot of people have been supporting me lately. Bitchy, aren't you? No, like you are very bitchy sometimes. Because I wasn't actually saying anything wrong. I just said that it's like the twelfth, and you said it's the twelfth, and you haven't done anything yet. No, I, I didn't mean, mean that. I mean like press-wise. You know, this is like, like we live for this stuff. You know what I mean? People yeah, like me. I basically fund your channel. You basically don't, but I see oh, where look, you're going so with it. Look at you throwing your toys out of the pram. You, you basically don't. Like it's just it's banter. All right, mate. All right, mate. Can I take one of these bottles on? That one. 
<laughs> You'd love that one. <laughs> that one. Um, okay, let's talk about Connor Ben. Yeah. Um, I've seen you've made some comments in relation to possible fights with Robert Guerrero and Maurice Hooker. Mm -hmm. Surely Maurice Hooker is the better fighter from the two of them. They're both good fights. I mean, Maurice Hooker, they're both tough fights. Guerrero's been at world level, just beat Victor Ortiz. Um, Hooker's a real dangerous fight. Tony Sims actually messaged me a few days ago and said, we'd like the Maurice Hooker fight as well. It's a tough fight. So I spoke to Golden Boy about that. Broner's still the guy that we want. You know what I mean? What's happened with that? Have you failed in that attempt? A fight first. Broner seems to have a newfound love for the sport, maybe. This is how I read it. And wants to have a proper run of fights. I would prefer he just comes to fight Conor Ben in April. So we'll see. But Conor Ben, we will announce maybe two weeks. He'll be fighting in April. Where? Hopefully the O2. I'd like to see him back there. You like that one, don't you? Have you subscribed to Adrian Broner's OnlyFans page? No. Have you? Definitely not. Have you subscribed to anyone's OnlyFans page? Uh, Tony Bell, yeah? Who's yes, he has. Yes, he has. Oh, he did have one. Uh, no, I'm not subscribed to anyone on OnlyFans. Start on OnlyFans page. I think you, you not doing it is missing a trick. But no one really wants to like, I'll just do what I do anyway. But you... It's not all explicit, is it? No. That's what... People have to understand, considering Bell is on there. But well, it's kind of it's a bit typecasted with kind of erotic content. Erotic content from, I suppose, mainly women. Yeah, but I suppose men do it as well. I think. I just but let's leave it. But you, you haven't just seen his clips on OnlyFans. Adrian Broner. I think one they a bit explicit. Yeah, they were horrendous. No, mate. Just checking. Um, right. What's next? Dillian White, Tyson Fury. So we know the, the bids were meant to be this week, first bids, being delayed to, what is it, Monday or Tuesday next week? Got a seven day delay. Tuesday, I believe. Okay. So, what, come on, expand on kind of what's been happening regarding this situation over the last. 10, 12 days. There's a lot going on behind the scenes from a legal perspective with the arbitration, obviously. Well documented, the split for that fight was 80-20. And Dillian wasn't happy with that split, his team, his lawyers, everybody. So there's a process to go through to appeal that. There's also other issues pending uh, legally. So the delay was, was the cause of that, really. Um, seeing his team tomorrow to go through some stuff. And uh, we'll wait to see what happens. Can I just get uh, an, a response from you? I know you've probably already done this, but about the 80-20, first of all. Uh, was that expected, that ruling, first of all? Uh, the way that I guess he's been treated over the years, yeah, probably. I mean, 80-20 is like a standard split for some random guy who's sort of won a average eliminator and just found himself in a position, in my opinion. You know, the split has a maximum for Dillian White of 45%. And what you're doing is you're not taking into consideration the draw of Dillian White, the fact that guys headlined, what, six pay-per-view events sold out the O2 on numerous occasions. But more importantly, the amount of time that he's waited or he's had to wait for this opportunity. And we don't feel that 80-20 is, is a fair representation of that. Got every right to appeal. Lots of people appeal about splits. Not, and, you know, um, we'll have to see where it, where it goes. But I don't think that split is fair at all. No. And I think he's quite right to be taking action on it. What, what is your understanding of the, the actual rules regarding splits and interim champions? Because as, as most as most rules by the governing bodies, which is basically at the discretion of the governing body, and which are which not is, rules then really is, are they? Which is a rule of well, you got you got pages and pages of rules, and then basically one clause at the bottom says we'll do what we want. Um, but yeah, there'll be an appeal which will go before the championship committee. Um, 
it's it's not the greatest relationship in the world, to be honest with you, Dillian White and the WBC. Um, it's been a huge fight for Dillian White to get what he feels he deserves. And to be fair to him, he's not backing down in true Dillian White style. Um, he's fighting for what he believes in. He's fighting for what he deserves is right. Um, and I'm very confident he'll get his shot, hopefully, in the manner and the split that he deserves. This is a really stupid question, but... Yeah, of course. But should someone's relationship with a governing body have an effect on the split of a purse? No, but I just feel... I'm not saying that the split was decided because of the relationship. I just said the relationship's not very... Is it? I mean, naturally, if you've got a poor relationship with someone, you're not really going to act in in their best interests all the time, are you? I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it was toxic, the relationship, but it's really not pleasant, you know, and it's got to a point now where something's got to give. And listen, it's difficult for me because I like Mauricio Suleiman. I think he does a lot of great stuff for boxing. I, I don't feel like this situation has been handled fairly in terms of Dillian White for a number of years, to be honest with you. But it's coming to a head now. You know, we're halfway there. The fight's been ordered, which... Great news, but we just feel that the split the split's not fair. So that's the last thing to decide. And this, whatever the final ruling is on the split is the final ruling on the split. And we proceed and I don't see a deal being done at 80-20, you know? So then I see it just goes to purse bids. So, I mean, re- regards to your appeal, when does do you get a kind of a verdict from that? Uh, well, hopefully prior to the, the next purse bid date. So which is next Tuesday. Okay. If it does go to pass bids, which is that likely? Yes, would you say I, it I currently? The, you know, I know the split is what the split is, but and it doesn't matter uh, whether that's done via a deal or via purse bid, but I just can't see a deal being agreed that way. So therefore, we have to put a value on that fight and bid accordingly, and so do top rank and anybody else that wants to bid. Maybe someone bids crazy for that fight. But I don't see, if I'm Dillian White, I'm not accepting an 80-20 split. Now, you will have to accept that split by a purse bid, but you don't know, like, you're going to get a much better offer or better deal financially via purse bid right now compared to what, because I will make sure he does. So... And how hard are you going with this? What do you think? Well, I think you'll go hard, but obviously for him to earn the money that he wants to earn, you have to go very aggressive. Yeah, but obviously we have those conversations prior to purse bid, and those conversations will be, what will Eddie Hearn and Matram bid and disown for this fight? That much, Dillian. And what's your offer so far? Now, obviously, if, if, if the offer outweighs what we would bid for that fight, then he has to seriously consider that, and he might be looking to take that offer. But if not, and I don't believe you, that he will, they will compare. So therefore, we have to proceed because our offer financially may be better than what he's being offered at the moment. But it's not just us. Anyone could come in. I mean, and that's the exciting thriller could come in. Who knows? Anybody. I mean, look, Tyson Fury's a big name. Dillian White's a big name. That's a big fight. I'd love it. I'd love to promote that fight. I'm sure many other people would as well. So we'll see what happens. And... What is your understanding of, obviously, Frank Warren's comments from a couple of weeks ago now about Tyson Fury will fight on the 26th, I believe, of March. It won't be for the title. I mean, what's your understanding of that situation? I don't don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's had conversations with the WBC. As far as I'm um, aware, I don't believe that's possible under the current legal position with Dillian White's case. Um. I don't know. I mean, Tyson Fury can do whatever he wants. If he wants to vacate the belt, he, I guess he can fight on March 26th, you know, but I don't know why he'd want to vacate the belt. I mean, the value, as always, is in owning the belts and becoming undisputed. So I, just, I don't know why the white fight has taken so long to try and make because it's just a, such a natural fight, such a great fight for British boxing. It's massive. What is your plan? Like the one fight no one talks about from their side. But Fury doesn't really talk about the Dillian White fight. Frank, Bob, they sort of briefly talked about it, just sort of brushed it aside and said, oh, he wants too much money. 
But when we have mandatories like Pulev or Usyk or Povetkin, and they were quite difficult to negotiate because obviously they're in a great position because they're a mandatory. We didn't just vacate a belt or say, oh, Usyk's too difficult to negotiate with. He, we're not fighting him. We'll, we'll fight someone else. You're supposed to take care of your mandatories as a champion. And I just feel like it's a great fight. And I, I, I don't, I don't, Tyson Fury will believe that he can beat Dillian White, but it's a, it's a really good fight. Bob Arum's comments about the financial demands of Dillian White accurate, were they? Uh, what was it? What did he say? He said he wanted 10 million. I think, in terms of the value of the fight and in terms of a split that we feel is fair, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, dollars, pounds, whatever you want. Do you have a plan B for Dillian White? I have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G for everybody. And yes, there's a plan B for Dillian White, but right now it's just a case of getting what is fair. And that's playing out a WBC situation. Okay, uh, which the next part of this puzzle is... Joshua Usyk. What? It's really hot in here. Yes. Cheers, mate. It's taken you a long time to realise that it is. Can't you just turn your heaters off, mate? I never knew that come up like that. I never knew that come up like that. Um, right. So, latest on Joshua Alexander Usyk. You've made some comments saying that could go back to Wembley or back to Tottenham, rather, or Wembley in April. Is that still the case? You're still negotiating that? I said on, I think it was TalkSport, I just said, look, I I feel like the fight will take place in the UK. And um, if that's the case, it'll be at a stadium, obviously. And Tottenham would be a great place to return to as would Wembley. So I think uh, now Christmas is over, as you say, not done anything so far this year. And we'll talk with Alex Krasuk shortly and and start planning that venue. But April, I think, is a realistic day. Sometimes everybody talks about February and March. And, you know, before you know it, it's not going to be long. It'll be the end of January. It'll be February. And major events take a, a lot of planning. So that's why I said April is, is just more realistic. Can you give me a situation where that fight doesn't take place or you not? isn't that an option? I mean, you know, we talked about the Usyk-Fury fight and a deal for Joshua to wait and now basically a deal for Dillian White to wait. And but So I guess that scenario, which hasn't played out. Um, one of the guys gets injured. And he's unable to fight for the year or whatever. I guess that can always happen. But Josh has been training pretty much since the defeat. Usyk appears to be fit as a fiddle. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's the fight AJ wants. And what's your understanding of his training situation? He hasn't formally come out and said anything. We know he's obviously been out in Dubai, etc. And he's training with whoever he's training with but what's your understanding of that the Robert McCracken situation what is your understanding he's been working hard you know obviously his trip to America and subsequently training in the UK with various people trainers flying him I think AJ will make an announcement when camp starts which I guess will be end of Jan early uh, Feb but he's worked hard to get it right you know a lot of people have said do you think it's risky to bring in a new trainer and you know I flip that and say do you think it's risky to you know, not be comfortable with, with your setup or your your surroundings, if you like, of, of where you're training. So he's put the work in to make sure he gets it right. And I'm, I'm guessing himself, 258, will make a, an announcement regarding his, his training team when, when camp gets underway. If he is to, if he is to acquire a new trainer for this, this fight, do you know if it's a case of Rob McCracken will still be involved with... Joshua and the team in some capacity or not, or you can't comment on that? Rob will always be involved in some way because he's more than just a trainer to Anthony Joshua. You know, he's a mentor, he's been an advisor. Um, and, you know, I think 
those two will always talk and, and chat and in what capacity I don't know and I'll leave that to AJ to to announce but um, there will certainly be additions to the training team okay okay are you actively trying to make Tony Bellew and Jake Paul no, no. you Tony, made some comments about that well someone asked me about it I, I mean no no by the way, Jake Paul would never fight Tony Bellew. I'll do it though. I like Jake Paul. I think what he does is he rubs people up completely the wrong way. So when you say I'm carrying boxing right now, pe- people take that quite offensively in boxing. And obviously Tony was one of them. I don't know whether he actually believes that or not. Probably does actually. But listen, once we nail Taylor Serrano... Me and Jake Paul are going to be co-promoters. Interesting. Very interesting. Huge fight. Could that happen in March? April. April. Where? Madison Square Garden. Biggest female fight of all time. But let's stop saying biggest female fight of all time and just say one of the biggest fights of all time. Undisputed lightweight world champion against a seven-division world champion. Matchroom, most valuable promotions. Huge event. Live on his own, baby. Who would have thought it, eh? I have no problem with it. Look at the job that Jake Paul's done for Amanda Serrano. I mean, you know, one, he's got a great deal. He's, he's increased her value. She's done a great job as well. And Katie Taylor, biggest star in female boxing, goes into that fight with another huge star. You know, biggest promoter in the world, and Jake Paul. And just a great mix. And, and you'll see how myself... And Jake and MVP work on that event. It'll be impressive. It'll be a very impressive promotion. It was around two years ago that you had Jake Paul fight on your card in Miami against Anise and Gibb. Yeah. So would you have ever thought kind of this... He has had an impact on boxing. Oh, yeah. Whether people like it or not, he has, because we're talking about it now. But oh, would you have yeah. seen this situation? No, because it didn't do that well, to be honest with you. Um He's had a huge impact on boxing. And I feel like most of it is positive, to be honest with you. I don't see the downside of it. It's not like he's terrible and he's embarrassing himself every time he goes into the ring. And I knew before the Gibb fight that he could fight and that he was better than Logan and those guys. Obviously, dismantled Gibb, but Gibb just had a stinker that night. I mean, and there was just levels. And then, but it didn't do that well. Obviously, Logan against KSI was huge, huge. But the Jake Paul Gibb fight didn't do great business for us. But I met Nikisa and, and Jake in a team, and I've got to give them, got to give them unbelievable credit at what they've done. I couldn't have told you that after that night he'd go on to be doing what he's doing. So I don't, I don't see the hate really. I mean, you can think he's a plonker, and I think a lot of people do sometimes. I think he is, but it doesn't mean you can't respect him for what he's doing and what he's done. And, and like, legitimately, dealing with him for Taylor Serrano has been really... Like, that could have been a fight that was really hard to make for various different reasons. And I think... I think we'll do business together. More business on fights and stuff like that. Not Maybe not us involved in his fights, but... But he's had Montana Love. He put him on his card. We signed him. Liam Paro, he was on his card. We signed him. He's given these guys a, a, a good platform. And you can't underestimate his his you know, his uh, numbers and his draw power, and you'll see that in the Serrano fight. We'll look forward to that. Um, Edward, yeah. what can you say us about... Hello? You, you are joking. Mate, you've done 40 minutes already. Mate, I haven't done 40 minutes have. at all. You have. But, mate, you, you can't wrap this in two minutes. Canelo Alvarez and Jamal Charlo, what can you say us about that? Nothing, really. I mean, I saw Eddie Reynoso's tweet yesterday saying there's no negotiations going on, etc. Spoke to Eddie Reynoso a few days ago and we'll be putting our suggestions in, our offers, our numbers, probably this week, really. Canelo's been enjoying himself, having a break, and he'll be looking to make his decision, I guess, in the next couple of weeks for his May fight. I'd like to see him at the light heavyweight division. I'd like to see him become undisputed there. Obviously, he's got Charlo, he's got Benavides. Is Macabu still in there? I think so, but I mean, he's got his mandatory as well. And I, I don't think that would be the May fight, but it might be. 
And I'm sure plenty of other offers that Eddie Renoso's had as well. So we'll be making our bid, if you like, or our suggestion, and hopefully uh, be great to work with him again. Let's talk about Cash Farouk. Uh, very sad to see him having to retire from, from boxing. Incredibly sad. I mean, such a brilliant talent and a, a lovely young man as well. You know, um, sat in here and we signed him. And, you know, we'd made the Lee McGregor rematch as well, which was a gutter because that was a big fight. Um, unfortunately, you know, due to medical reasons, um, he was advised not to continue. And it, it was, didn't really have much option. You know, he could have gone to another country, tried to get a license out there. But the reality is it was the right decision. And it's heartbreaking because boxing was everything to Cash Farouk. But, you know, sometimes God's got other plans for you. And I think he's going to thrive in the sport in some way. You know, he's working up now with St. Andrew's Boxing Club. And it's going to be really hard for him to take. But he's a young man. He's healthy. He's a bright kid. He's got a passion for boxing and a zest for, for boxing and life. And I believe he's going to be a success in what he does. And we'll be supporting him all the way. Um, we'll, we'll also get together and I think we should put some kind of benefit evening on for for cash and, and make sure he's looked after. As far as you know, from the board, everything's greenlit for the start of Feb. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they should have stopped boxing in January, in all honesty. I mean, look, we would have only had a show on the 22nd or the 29th. Um, there's no other sports that have stopped or been asked to stop, but obviously the board have their doctors and it is a different kind of sport in their respective contact. So February, back up and running and, and ready to get off to a fly. Why is everyone turning down fights with Philip Pergovich? What's the situation there? Did Parker actually, because I didn't see it anywhere. I just saw it kind of being reported that Parker's yeah, turned that yeah, down I after all tees. I, mean, I, I didn't see that either. That's Joker. Has, yeah. Now it's a Joker. I mean, it's just, Pergovich is a beast. Tough fight. But I keep saying, like, the guy who fights Pergovich, if they beat him, they're going to have 35% in negotiation status with currently Usyk, maybe Anthony Joshua. So it's a great spot to be in, but... Apparently, Yoka wants the fight. We've been speaking to top rank about that fight. It's a brilliant fight. And hopefully we can get that one made. And in regards to Chisora, I see you've got a little bit of stick over still mentioning Chisora and Deontay Wilder. On that, I just said that I feel that he's a nightmare for anyone. He can outlast anyone. And I said, if, if Wilder doesn't get him out there early, I believe Chisora can beat him. Because he, he wouldn't be able to live with the pace and the pressure. But Wilder would be a huge favourite because he's a, he's a big, big puncher. I'm not actively trying to make the Wilder fight. I haven't made offers to them or spoke to them. What I do like is I like Ariola. Um, I like Luis Ortiz. I like Zhang. I like a lot of these fights where Chisora has a great shouting. And we're putting together some plans with 258 for his next fight in April. Okay, just a final one, Edward. Um, do you see Tyson Fury's went on Instagram yesterday? On Joshua and Usyk? He was accusing Usyk of taking steroids, wasn't he, I think, or something like that. No, I mean, look, we had him under VADA testing. It's not really a concern of ours. Um, so right, I think it's good. Fury, I think he, sh he should be more vocal. Just like to see him talking about Dillian White rather than Usyk and AJ. But, yeah, I think Fury's great when he goes on his rent. Mm. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram. I haven't really seen anyone slag you off this year, actually. I don't want to. I don't want to um, get carried away, but I'm not actually getting a lot of hate anymore. I don't know what's happened, and I don't want to jinx it, but it feels really nice to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm seeing less and less. Mm. Are people leaving you alone, or is it they just don't really care about you? I don't know. <laughs> no, I think. I think that when, like, when I was with Sky, like, it's, you kind of, I don't know. I think sometimes people think you're a bit institutionalized and this deal's given me a bit more freedom to do what I want to do. Like, it's another thing. Like, I've never seen any criticism of our commentary on the zone. And every show we used to do was just constant abuse about commentary. And I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. A long way it continue, mate. I'm absolutely buzzing about it, to be honest with you. So thank you, everybody. It does make me feel good, but I'm sure it'll change. Is Maya Jammer still with the zone? Yeah, yeah. But obviously, the problem is with Maya is she has landed a few big gigs. Just slightly, yeah. One on ITV with Simon Cowell was quite a big one. So it's just a case of working her into the schedule. And obviously, Laura is our 
main presenter now for the boxing. So. Literally, this is the last one. Are you are you gonna go, go go back there later? Someone put that picture up the other day. Remember, you talk about going back to fight time. Yes. Yeah. Someone put a picture up the other day. You saw it, right? They framed it, and I thought to myself, "How good." Have you met Carl Froche? Yeah. <laughs> He's friends with Ferrero. Uh, <laughs> Ferrero Froche. Yeah. Um, he. I just thought to myself, how good is that event? I know we got a stick about the prices, but we only had like a couple of hundred tickets. But how good is that event in terms of just a gathering of people from the boxing community? You're just walking around with like that guy, what was it? You, Froch, Froche, uh, Ricky Hatton, Kel Brook. I don't know who else was here. Like, Bell, you. Yeah. And Maya Jam or whatever. And it's just, Fight Camp is a great, great event. And, um, Will we bring it back here this summer? Yeah, I believe we will. Are you really? It's hard work, mate. I won't lie. It's really hard work. But it has become, you know, it's, it's also hard when you've got crowds back. Can you get more people in? Not really want more people in. I think you can expand on the field a little bit to have like a dance floor at the back. I think the council are happy with a couple of hundred, to be honest with you. So let's not, let's not push our luck. Yeah, I think fight camp every year, definitely, mate. Definitely. Have you got anything else you'd like to add before we finish? No. Just get ready for a massive year of boxing. Download the zone. Best value in boxing. Best schedule in boxing by a country mile. Get ready for the April announcements as well. And I hope everyone has a great year. Everyone stays happy, stays safe, stays healthy. And let's rock and roll. Eddie Hearn, appreciate yeah, quite a bit of your time today. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week at the Presser. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast sponsored by William Hill in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.